Hey everyone, this is Peter Chihuahua, your host of the Weekly Bits Podcast. Before we jump into this week's episode, I want to deliver a PSA about the upcoming Bitcoin 2020 conference. The event is going down in beautiful San Francisco on March 27th and 28th. Nick Zabo, Tony Hawk, core devs, and Bitcoin projects of all types will be presenting. There will be a bunch of different experiences for attendees and a lot more that's yet to be announced. To learn more and get your tickets, visit Bitcoin2020Conference.com. For this episode, I'm joined by frequent partner in crime, Colin Harper. Listeners will recognize him as a regular guest on the show from his action on Bitcoin Twitter and, of course, his Bitcoin Magazine byline. How's it hanging today, Colin? 10-4, good buddy. It's going pretty well. How you doing, Peter? I'm good. I'm excited for our episode today because I've asked you in here, as you know, to discuss your latest banger. It's a cover story currently on the site, and it's under the headline, On the Coast of El Salvador, Bitcoin is Becoming the Standard. Uh, so for anyone who hasn't read it yet, just hit a pause on us right now and go do that. Uh, but essentially, it's the story of a nonprofit in El Salvador promoting Bitcoin adoption. It's called Bitcoin Beach. Uh, Colin, where'd you first hear about that group? Yeah, so I actually saw uh, Peter McCormack uh, Peter McCormack tweet about it because he had gone down to, um, I think it was either El Zante or Punta Mungo. I think he lives in Punta Mungo. But he went down to the first village where this thing's been rolled out and he had a podcast with Michael Peterson, the dude who's behind Bitcoin Beach. And I saw him paying for a uh, pupusa, I think, or some street food in Lightning Bitcoin. And um, uh, I messaged him and I was like, hey, you know, like, who's who's doing this? How can I talk to them? And then I just DM'd Michael on Bitcoin Beach. And then one thing led to another. And uh, yeah, I had, had an interview with him last week. I'm a good guy. So just give a quick synopsis, maybe. I'm going to expect listeners at this point have gone and read it. It's actually doing great traffic and a, an awesome story. But just really quickly, uh, what does Bitcoin Beach do? Why are they so important in El Salvador? Yeah, so uh, Bitcoin Beach is a nonprofit that was established about two and a half years ago uh, by Michael Peterson and some volunteers uh, that he works with down there with his wife. And uh, what they're trying to do is they're trying to create Bitcoin circular economies right now in two villages in El Salvador, uh, El Zante and Putamongo. Um, and they're both they're on the coast of El Salvador. And uh, part of the aim here is, you know, um, uh, help merchants accept Bitcoin through Wallet of Satoshi. They're using the Lightning Network. Uh, this has really been official to a lot of the people there who uh, Michael tells me 10 percent uh, of them uh, own bank accounts. I think it's like less than 1% has like a credit or debit card. Uh, but uh, the majority of them have smartphones. So um, having a banking app on their phone that doesn't require a bank is very uh, appealing and attractive to them. Um, it's very useful and helpful. A lot of the testimonies that we have in the article are people talking about um, how easy it is for them to use even compared to cash. And now, of course, they are using Wallet of Satoshi. It's custodial, but it's perfect for a use case like this. And uh, so that's one part of it is trying to create the circular economy to um, kind of ease the banking uh, woes of the populations there. The other is to create a um, incentives and wage system for the youth of El Salvador. Uh, so they get paid to clean up the villages. They get paid to lifeguard. They get paid for getting good grades. 
uh, all with the purpose of trying to kind of keep them in their local community so they aren't attracted by the uh, widespread gangs that uh, kind of infest El Salvador. Uh, so to kind of hone in on one thing you mentioned there, the testimonies that you got from some of the people um, like actually enabled to use Bitcoin through this program. Uh, so for me as a reader, uh, when I got to those testimonies, that kind of like kicked the article up a notch for me. Like mm-hmm. the background was all good. Great to hear from the founder. But some of my favorite parts were just sort of like to really hear from, um, you know, actual people in El Salvador who were essentially unbanked, did not have access to these services, and they're realizing the benefits of Bitcoin. Um, so I'm curious, like as a reporter, as someone writing this article, did you feel the same? Like those kind of testimonies were like you know, kicking up a notch? Yeah, totally. Because it's like, you know, when you ask the founder of a nonprofit to talk about his nonprofit, you know, um, I mean, Michael's a great guy, don't get me wrong, but you know, um, everyone has a narrative to sell. And, uh, you know, you want to make sure that you're backing up with, with what they're saying with, you know, primary source accounts from the people who are actually using this. So for me, it really was, I mean, I thought that was essential to really getting the full story out here, because I wanted to see like, you know, all right, so this dude says like something like over 100 people are onboarded, there's like $5,000 in Bitcoin circulating in a given time. Um, seemed like small figures, but for these small villages, uh, $5,000, uh, you know, being circulated, it's quite a lot of money. And, um, I, I thought to myself, you know, that's great, but I want to hear it from the, you know, from the horse's mouth rather than the, than the person running this. Uh, so that was really good for me. And it was just good to see, um, you know, I asked one kid, I was like, so like, do you off, do you use your Bitcoin very much? And he, his response was just, well, of course I use my Bitcoin. I use it every day. And that was really cool for me to hear because it's not just one of those things where it's like, okay, you're setting a few people up with Bitcoin wallets. And then like, like with my like living on Bitcoin stories, it's like when you go into those stores, I ask them how many people take Bitcoin daily or how many people use Bitcoin daily. And it's like, you know, they, they get maybe a couple of people a month or a week. That was, so this is like specifically what I love so much about this testimonials. And honestly, I think my favorite thing about the article. So like when we do adoption stories, which we do a lot and I think are great, um, um, but like usually they're centered in the first world and adoption people are doing it because they're got some side hustle in Bitcoin or yeah. they're personally just passionate about the Bitcoin, but not because they have to, they have right. to. And then when you read these testimonies, like these people really need a solution, yeah, like man. for real. And this is working for them. And that I thought was like so cool. And I, I don't know that probably I have at some point, but I've not seen, you know, that firsthand reporting, like in any other article that comes to the moment right now, where it was somebody who's literally like telling us, I use Bitcoin a lot and it's like helping me in my daily life. Yeah, man, that was the coolest thing. You know, like the shop owners were like, yeah, I get people coming in daily to do it. Um, And it saves a lot of hassle for them because what they're doing now is, you know, they're just going through Michael Peterson through Bitcoin Beach um, to liquidate, you know, because then they need to pay their bills. Um, But this is a good thing because, you know, I mean, they don't have to worry about holding all this cash with them. You know, they don't have to worry about, um, you know, maybe if they have a lot of cash after a profitable month going to San Salvador, the capital and trying to go to the bank because like there aren't any local banks in some of these villages. Um, Another thing that it's being used for, uh, which is a common thread and narrative that we're seeing a lot recently is a lot of um, El Salvadorians are using it for remittances, um, which is another one of Bitcoin's really, I think, just like key use cases. 
Um, so much so that, you know, as long as there are some Bitcoin ATMs or I can trade with people on local Bitcoins, uh, when I go there, like I'm no longer going to convert currency at a, at a, um, you know, a currency conversion desk in the airport because you just get scalped by fees. I'm just going to take Bitcoin with me and liquidate Whoa, that's it. That's a good hack. I'm going to start doing that. Actually. I mean, it's great, man. And, and that's one of the things I loved about going to Europe is like these, these KYC free, um, Bitcoin ATMs in the Czech Republic and Prague, the parallel Nepolis. You know, it's like one percent fee, and you just you just pay your Bitcoin, get your cash, and go on your way. Anyway, a little tangent. But. Yeah, uh, back to El Salvador for this one. This is a, actually I have a two part question here. Uh, so my my first for uh, part one of this is, uh, do you think it's like actually as easy as this? So easy, I put air quotes for listeners out there. I know it's not easy, easy, but is it as simple as this to encourage Bitcoin adoption in a place like El Salvador? Was it really just a matter of going into these communities and like literally setting people up with Bitcoin on their mobile phones for them to start immediately realizing the benefits? Uh, because that's kind of how the article made it seem like these people really needed a solution. Bitcoin happened to be a perfect solution. And all it took was someone like Bitcoin Beach kind of enabling that and, and they're good to go. Yeah, I think it's as easy. Sorry, is that was that the, that, the and that's question? part one. So. OK, OK. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think um, the solution of downloading something like Wallet of Satoshi, I've heard Phoenix Wallet is also quite good. Blue Wallet is also pretty good for custodial, though I don't think it's as smooth as Wallet of Satoshi from what I've just personally seen out in the wild. I think it's as easy as that in terms of, you know, you download the app, you send people Satoshis, and it's all managed within Wallet of Satoshi's servers and nodes. So, like, the payments are instant. There's very little, uh, you know, uh, latency or any friction in the payments. I think that part's easy. The one thing that I think is a little more difficult that the article probably could have touched on a little more is just getting people to understand that you're not trying to screw them over. And also that you're, you know, because you're telling them, okay, I'm going to give you an app and a, and a currency that's going to be easier to use than cash. And that they think, you know, okay, well, why are you helping me? Right. right? There's kind of this like, is there a quid pro quo here? And especially for the merchants, you know, for them, yeah, this is almost akin to going up to them and saying, hey, like, start accepting gold pieces, accept yeah. cash. And then so they wonder, okay, well, how can I trade these in for cash so that I can pay for things? It right? might be even harder to understand if I was in their perspective yes. than gold pieces. It would be like, start using Dave and Buster's bucks. <laughs> Which, yeah. I, no offense, I mean, you and me, you know. And any listener out there probably realizes that there's a big difference between Dave and Buster's Bucks <laughs> yeah. and Bitcoin. But you're so this is part two of my question is like, on the other hand, like maybe it's as easy as enabling them with a custodial wallet. But it, does it also have to be this difficult as in does there actually have to be a person on the ground explaining to you why this isn't Dave and Buster's Bucks, why this is going to work with you? Because I feel like they're skipping so many steps in kind of like financial sovereignty that they're going from. But maybe that's helpful in adoption, yeah. you know, at the same time, they're not so uh, invested in a bank or a third party that they feel like they trust or have to trust that you don't have to have that kind of side of the conversation with them. Right. So I guess like to answer that, that question twofold, like I think you do need to have a community representative, if we can call him that, to kind of really walk people through the baby steps of everything. And also for the merchants to kind of harp on this again. 
having a liquidity provider is huge when you're trying to bootstrap this new economy. Like you don't want to just give people Bitcoin and say, there you go, have fun. (laughs) You know, like you want to make sure there are on and off ramps because um, there is something of a circular economy going between consumers and merchants. But merchants still have to buy their, you know, they've got to buy their cornmeal from maybe the village 10 miles away or they have to buy their chicken meat from, you know, the poultry guy who lives a village over and they're not using Bitcoin. So you still need to have the liquidity for the cash there, right? Uh, As for the second part of your question where, you know, for the intermediaries, this is something I've thought about too. I think for early adoption until user user interfaces and user experiences are, are smooth enough, uh, custodial, and I think even after that, I think custodial lightning wallets will probably capture the majority of the market share if this technology starts getting used, uh, um, you know, kind of in a more widespread manner. Right, and that's uh, worthy of another debate on another podcast probably, but yeah. I, I would definitely agree that, I don't know, like, is, so does that kind of mean that essentially like the Wells Fargo of Bitcoin is going to, like, it, whatever just makes it easiest to use, people are going to stop caring about that really core tenant of Bitcoin? I think per- I perhaps that's a big question. Yeah, I think <laughs> th- I think some will. I think early adopters and people who want to run their own node and want to have their funds offline, like most of those people are still going to use like, you know, they they're, they're going to use their a lightning wallet like Zap connected to their own node or like Lightning Labs Neutrino or Breeze, you know, something like that for a light, light lightweight client. I think the majority of average users though, like they like the like, you know, like they they may say they don't like banks, but there's one thing they love about banks is they love the fact that they don't have to worry about if their money's going to get messed with, right? Right. And so I think that you're going to have similar functions in the Bitcoin ecosystem with kind of like benevolent custodians, I'll call them. And they're going to be custodians that the community trusts. And I think that's a that, that's going to be a big thing here is like you're going to have certain companies that are going to custody Bitcoin outright. But their intentions, hopefully at least, are going to be better, right? Such so a slippery and slope. The it is a slippery custodian. slope. So it is a slippery I think slope. Like, I think one thing, this article is super positive and it should be. And I think step one, right, is to, I don't know that you can call us banking the unbanked, but provide some level of financial sovereignty to people who don't have it. you can call it banking it. the unbanked. Let's call it. All right. Bit. We're banking yeah. the unbanked here in El Salvador. So all due respect to Wall of Satoshi for doing that. But one thing we don't really dive into and would be a whole another article yeah. or series in its own right is like, you know, are we just kind of... Are we just reinventing the wheel here? Yeah. yeah. And, and like maybe one thing that's a community representative who is on the ground, you know, needs to do at some step, um, if not initially, is kind of like then explain why these people haven't been banked in the first place and why yeah. Bitcoin, you know, like kind of give you the core tenets of Bitcoin and maybe foster some interest in running nodes and being, you know, being your own custodian right. to some level. Although I know that that's a huge. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's definitely like the next best step. Like, you know, in a perfect world, what would happen with a project like this is you'd have like, a few villages, let's say you have two villages that are doing this, each village runs like a few nodes, right? And like, you know, a couple of tech savvy people within the village run those nodes, and then they start setting up, you know, payment channels with people and start trying to broker, uh, or start trying to bridge the technical and non-technical gap for people. But kind of in that scenario, you kind of still end up with, I think, unless everyone is running their full node in that scenario, you still end up right. with what Wallet of Satoshi is doing, right? right? So I think the important thing here too is just like Wallet is custodian. And while things on Bitcoin is supposed to be meant to be non-custodial and something that people can hold themselves, 
Um, I think the important thing in these kind of use cases first, so that we don't put the cart before the horse, is focusing on accessibility. And yeah. I think that's the big thing here. Like the barrier to entry to opening up a bank account as opposed to getting a wallet of Satoshi app on your phone and then receiving bitcoins that way it's like you know the difference between five minutes and you know a day's trip for these people yeah so that's actually a great segue into the next question i have down here so what would you personally opinion time rather see colin would you want bitcoin beach to kind of grow in geography and do what they're doing in the next village over in el salvador or would you rather kind of dig deeper with the um, those who are already on the program adopting Bitcoin and kind of start having some of those mining, node running, custody conversations. Yeah, I think uh, probably the latter. I think I'd rather see the idea kind of fleshed out and see all the kinks kind of ironed out in one instance before it starts like expanding. I think going to other villages would be great, but I think like just as a case study, it's just fascinating to see how well this can work will work or if it doesn't work right mm -hmm. like maybe it fails down the road um it doesn't look like it's probably going to i don't think that it's going to like bottom out i think that like what michael has done here is definitely probably converted some people into hodlers like and that's kind of the, the long-term goal he said is like he eventually wants people to start like holding on to the Bitcoin that they earn. And hopefully, you know, in a year or two, they'll find that it is appreciated in a way that they're not used to seeing their cash appreciate. Yeah. Um, so, and in terms of getting them more involved into what Bitcoin is and then how it works, I definitely think that you would want to focus on like, you know, your flagship village, uh, try to start educating them on the finer points of self-sovereignty. And then maybe from there, you know, it's almost like they say Bitcoin's a mind virus. I mean, about half the people that we know or even us like we started learning about bitcoin and then sooner or later perhaps our friends were telling us to shut up you know like at dinners and like at get togethers right. it's a mind virus so like once you kind of in inculcate this this uh colony of of el salvadorans in el zante or punta mongo maybe they start spreading that elsewhere right Maybe now when the pupusa woman goes to buy her cornmeal, she starts talking to the miller about Bitcoin. And then right. that sparks a conversation. And then a few months later, dude's downloading his own wallet to Satoshi. And now they're using Bitcoin for transactions rather than having to cash out to fiat. I'm so curious to see what happens. We got to set a calendar reminder, let's say like three months from now, just do like a check in with Michael. Yeah, man. Just whether that's an article or not i'm just curious i want to go visit it i told him i was like yeah. man i'd love to come visit and do like a because if i did that i would just love to do like a longer feature of yeah. just like you know try and give him a workshop maybe or something see yeah. like how much they're actually interested like big bitcoin nerds like we are yeah right there so did you get a sense from your conversations about what is next for bitcoin beach my my vibe from reading the article was like you know, Michael and the team are busy enough just sort of like maintaining what mm. they've established in those two villages. Um, but did you get a sense whether they're trying to dig deeper, go expand more geography or, or any of that? I think that their big goal right now is within the, the villages that they've embedded in. And um, my memory is failing me. I'm pretty sure Punta Monga is the one that they've really is the one that they've really sunk their teeth into. Like, El Zante is, like, kind of getting started, but not as much. Mm. But from what I can understand is um, they want to do a few things. Uh, number one, they just want to keep onboarding more families. So I think really the, the key here is kind of uh, if we, not to disparage 
what they're doing, but it's kind of a quantity over quality thing. Like they're not so much worried about the finer points of Bitcoin education because these people aren't going to be able to run their own node, right? Like they're, they don't, they're not going to be able to like buy a nodal or they're not going to be able to like just, you know, have like a, you know, just running it. Yeah, exactly. Like a PC lying around that they're just going to like download 250 gigabytes. Uh, yeah. And just a quick blockchain. aside, you know, all the times I pause our conversation and be like, well, they're not as sovereign as they can. <laughs> you know, I know it's not as easy as, as it would be for us to like totally control your own keys and all that. Right. And so on that point, you know, like I think they just want to get more families. And then what they're also trying to do is they want to um, create like, a local exchange. I don't know what that looks like. Wow. Yeah, like th th what they want to do is like they want to be able to create like trading groups and exchanging groups so that people so that there's like actual fiat liquidity. And yeah. so I imagine that would probably be something as simple as just like a telegram group, right? right between all the Bitcoiners in these villages. I feel like that's a, a really clever next step. Yeah. Because that brings in a lot of conversations and like, you know, the people that are willing to offer liquidity for more Bitcoin, yeah. then, then uh, Orange Coin go up and yeah. they're like super psyched and they start thinking about, you know, then that grows from there. That that would be great to see. Yeah, I think that's going to be a big next step, especially in terms of just like making it so that Bitcoin Beach doesn't have to be the liquidity provider of last yeah. resort, you know. And I think they, um, they're not wanting to own no. everyone's liquidity. They're no. wanting to enable them to have Bitcoin. Yeah, and they want to be able to, I think, the, the like you said, it's pretty shrewd that they're looking towards that exchanging aspect. Because once you have that fiat ramp, like, you basically have all the pieces in place for a circular economy. Right. It's like, people can use Bitcoin if they need cash, though, for whatever reason, they'll have a place to cash out immediately. Um, I think that overall, though, just to cap off the answer, what they're really focused on is they want more merchants and more people using it because they really want to kickstart this circular economy. And right now, like, they're doing a pretty good job. Like, every day, people are paying in Bitcoin in that village, which is awesome. That is awesome. I mean, great article. One of my favorites. Great. Definitely my favorite one of early 2020. Thanks, man. Keep up the good work, Colin. Is there anything else... Um, before I let you go here that you wanted listeners to know about the piece? Uh, not really. Just uh, follow Bitcoin Beach on Twitter. Um, give them a shout out. Tell your friends. It's a cool project. Awesome. Well, thanks again so much for joining me, Colin. Remind everyone where they can find you online. You can find me at Bitcoin Magazine as always. And you can also find me um, on Twitter at As I Lay Hodling. Uh, you can also just find me by my name, Colin Harper. Uh, that's one L got a red beanie on my profile pic covering my eyes look for the beanie everybody <laughs>
and you can follow them on Twitter at the LTB Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on the Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.